Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. Happy Thursday. That means it's your locks day. Uh, Joined, as always... Bye, Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli. Gentlemen, we've got a week three slate that it's it's getting thrown around. It's getting trashed. People are dragging week three's name through the mud, and I'm not going to stand for it. No, I'm not. Because just because we don't have any ranked on ranked games doesn't mean that it is lacking quality. No, in fact, I would say that we have more to learn from week three uh, than any other week as we do get some interesting matchups where teams will finally have to expose their true identities no longer keeping everything close to the vest gentlemen how are we doing i'm good i'm ready to lock it up man because we, we dug ourselves you and me chip barton's fine barton's amazing barton's doing wonderful but you and me dug a bit of a hole for the listeners and we we got to get them out i'm ready for a big week it's time just been trudging along two weeks in i'm, I'm ready to go hard in the paint this week um Good. I, I kind of like the game. I mean, like you said, Chip. No, no marquee matchups, maybe, but some some fun games. I'm looking forward to the weekend. Fun fact from the Bear, ESPN's Chris Falica. First weekend without a ranked matchup since Week Seven of the 2017 season. That weekend, seven ranked teams lost. Yep. Five lost as favorites. Three of them were favorites of 16 or more points. So. <laughs> These weekends, you know, it's like you look at the slate and you see, man, this is nothing, nothing much worth worthwhile here. But these are the weekends where you you sometimes see some crazy stuff, man. Well, I mean, y'all remember the first weekend? It was, uh, I mean, no big time games, but there was a lot of just fun games to, to to keep an eye on potential upsets. We still don't even know which of these teams are that good. We were talking about that earlier in the week in the pod. Like, we don't really know that the number 20th ranked team is actually any good. We don't really know that an unranked 2-0 team who hadn't played anybody is actually one of the top 15 teams in the country. Like, So this is, this is going to help us continue to sort it out a little bit. No doubt. All right, so we are, as Tom mentioned, we are 29 and 31 as a collective. Barton leading the way at 10, 8, and 1. Uh, Tom, 11 and 11. And uh, Chip is bringing up the rear. Seven and eleven. To uh, I was I was looking at our our analytics and uh, thank you. I guess is it? Do I think Barton or Tom for the for the advanced analytics on our our lock unity lock agreement lock fight records? I, I've been tabulating that. At least I started that, and we'll uh, that that should should hold some value for late in the year when people c- can try to figure out whether to fade one of us or the other. 
Uh, We're still at a small sample size, but I'm just going to say these, these Tom Barton lock agreements over two for, so far. <laughs> <laughs> so keep, keep that in mind. Uh, last week, Tom, we had our wins were Northern Illinois, Western Kentucky. James Morgan goes out. Western Kentucky gets that one for you. Uh, over 58 and a half for Wake Rice. The losses were Miami, Arkansas plus six and a half, Michigan minus 22, the under in Minnesota Fresno, Texas plus six and a half, Vandy painful. plus seven. Yeah, painful for sure. Um, any any notes taken away from last week's slate? Actually, uh, one note that's not about my slate, but it's for Barton. It's a message from our, our CBSSports.com editor, Brandon Wise. He wants you to know that he blames you for Florida International losing because you told him that James Morgan was good. Well, he don't have to worry about my Florida International love anymore. So <laughs> that, that, that won't be a problem moving forward. I am abandoning Florida International. Bart- God, he, I mean, how did you watch any of the game? I didn't. But his, I, yeah, his I saw. numbers were horrible. Yeah, I had it on the uh, iPad during when I was watching the games on the regular screens because, you know, it was a lock, so I had to pay attention to it. <laughs> yeah, it was. They're not good. I mean, I've seen them now twice. I saw them against Tulane. I've seen them against Western Kentucky. Not all that enthusiastic about the Panthers in 2019. I don't know how that happens. That This is supposed to be they, – they returned a lot. They seemed like they are pretty good last year. They've recruited pretty well. And then they go and let Western Kentucky take care of them. That's uh, – that's not a good look. Do you think? Uh, do you think Butch Davis is just already starting to to figure out how he can make a move on the Miami Dolphins job once Brian Flores gets fired? <laughs> you gotta be Western Kentucky to start making <laughs> NFL hopes and dreams come true. Uh, all right, Barton, you were, he was sitting there at the table just just sweating it out, and Wake Forest got him the cover on uh, on Friday night, minus 19. Maryland, minus 2. Wow, never a doubt. Oregon State, plus 6.5 as a win. The over in Nebraska-Colorado, uh, a win thanks to that overtime. And uh, the over in Southern Miss-Mississippi State. How Was that close or not? I, didn't, I don't even yeah, know that if I saw close. that final score. It covered in the, in the fourth quarter. But, but I, I mean, Southern Miss was moving the ball over the course of the game. So it, it, was, it felt like the right play, and it looked like over a while it might not hit, but a uh, little fourth-quarter scoring action helped me out. The losses, Illinois minus 20.5, Michigan minus 22, uh, FIU minus 7, as we mentioned before, and a push as uh, Tulane at 18 pushes at Auburn. 5-3-1 for the week. Uh, Chip took an L uh, at Miami as well as losses for the under in Maryland Syracuse that was gone pretty early and yeah I mean well Maryland hit it themselves Clemson minus 17 was a <laughs> loss Tennessee minus three is a loss Nevada plus 24 and a half that was also a loss probably by the end of the first quarter if I remember correctly uh, only wins would be the over in Nebraska Colorado and the over in Wake Rice two and five for your boy and then that, the Dennis, that Clemson loss wasn't fair yeah that's I I didn't have my eyes on it but uh but that was it was cuz it was 24 to 3 basically the whole like second half oh, yeah. right and, and then Jimbo and the Aggies were running like the 5 minute offense with 2 minutes left down three touchdowns and hey, let's get this touchdown with like 5 seconds left in the game mm mm Dennis took an L Yeah yeah the dentist uh not you know Tom thought he was 
thought I was the, good. The winners on that one, and and the Dennis. I think Dennis now too in the last two years that that drops him to eight, two, and one on the dentist <laughs> locks. So let's see. He 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 submitted one this week. We'll see if he can bounce back. Okay, excellent. Looking forward to it. You guys ready to lock it up? Yes, sir. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm 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 living and dying every every point, every cover. All right, Barton, you've got the honors on the tee box. Take us where you want to go for week three. All right, no messing around. Coming out of the gate with my five-star master lock blue plate special. Throw your mortgage on it. Uh, you know, yes. multiple units, whatever yes, max yes, bet. Yes, yes. Uh, th- this is the one that I feel good about. I mean, that the last. I think there's only been one other one this year that I felt really, really confident in, and that was at under in Auburn, Oregon. That that ultimately hits, even though there was some some hairy moments in that. But this one. There's no doubt about it. This is this is a this is the definition of a lock. UCF minus seven. All right. Stanford's not very good. Got news. Got news for the world. This is not your grandpa's Stanford team. This is not your typical David Shaw Stanford team. This is a Stanford team that. I mean USC was certainly better than, uh, and, and I think USC was more athletic than. USC was more physical than. USC was more disciplined than. A lot of things that we don't equate to USC, they outplayed Stanford in those arenas. Um, UCF is a team that, while this is a battered Stanford team comes in limping a little bit potentially playing two freshmen on the offensive line after losing NFL draft pick Walker Little at left tackle and it looks like Foster Sorrell as well Uh, a quarterback that's a little bit beat up in KJ Costello Uh, an offense that is really just full of these big uh, mismatched receivers that you just throw it up to that's sort of all they got Let's see if Colby Parkinson can go get a jump ball. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside bailed him out last year with that. Not this year. It's not happening quite as effectively. So, so compound all that and then consider the UCF is – or I'm sorry, Stanford is flying across the country to play UCF in a home game where UCF, even if this is a flawed version of the Stanford team we were used to seeing – it's still a power five opponent that UCF is going to be very motivated to beat. And not only are they going to be very motivated to beat, but they're going to be very motivated to win with margin of victory because this is their only chance to, to I mean, this is something to add to their resume. If they actually want to be considered for the playoffs, they can't just beat Stanford by seven points. They got to beat them by 27 points. And, it's not just about motivation, though. I mean, I'm talking about this is a UCF team that's better than Stanford. They've got three quarterbacks that can play. I think Dylan Gabriel's probably the guy that you'll see. But I don't care if it's Brandon Wimbush. I don't care if it's the Mac kid that's been injured. 
I'd rather Derek, uh, the, the, the true freshman Gabriel, but ultimately I don't see a scenario. And, and I was on the, the, one of these, our, our college football show on HQ this week and Brady Quinn was on there with me and he said something to the effect of, you know, he just feels like Stanford's everyone's counting them out. They're going to show up and, uh, surprise people and, and win this game. And look, I, that is within the realm of possibility. Certainly, I can envision what that looks like, but zero trust in that. Zero faith in that. I think this is basically, I think UCF is, might be a better team than USC. And now you're going to get them across the country in a non-conference game and uh, against a motivated team. So give me UCF, lay in the points. I'll, I'll, I'll take that running. I've, uh, I've got a lock agreement, but... As I linger here, uh, I'm not going to hit Unite the Clans. Tom, are you uh, are you jumping no. on the other side of this? Nope. Okay. Uh-uh. You're going to step out of the step out of the ring from making this a an all involved lock I'm, fight. I'm not swinging any locks, but no, I'm. I'm so not. you are. So you are. Sounds like you are chipped. Do you have some in- intel that Tom is leaning uh, Stanford here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you got. So this is great. I, I want to hear. The alternative approach here, and why this would be a smart why why Stanford might cover this because I I I can't envision it. So help me out. Well, KJ Costello's back, which I think is a big thing for Stanford. Is it? Is it really a big thing? Because I I didn't think Davis Mills looked that bad. It was more about Stanford just not being able to stop USC. To me, I think that David Shaw is a very conservative coach by nature. And when he has a young, inexperienced quarterback, that conservative nature takes hold even, you know, a tighter grip on him and what he decides to do. And I feel like going on the road with KJ Costello, he's going to be willing to be a bit more aggressive and do what it takes. I don't know if Stanford's going to win this game. I'm not. This isn't like a UCF is being, you know, respected too much. I just think that this is kind of like what Brady was saying. I think there's everybody's a little too quick to bury Stanford right, right and it's, now. It's seven and a hook, right? Yeah. Because that's the other thing is that I think that, Barton, the the thing that would that I'm going with, I'm all in. Like, I, I am locking UCF up. I think UCF wins this game by, like, 14 points, and it is the kind of result that has us taking a step back and doing the, like, whoa. Because I'm not sure that the way that that uh, USC Stanford game really the way that it played out. I don't know if it was really digested by a lot of the college football viewing public. I mean, the PAC 12 does get ignored a lot. And so, you know, to go up 17, three, then to, uh, lose the lead and then kind of get run out beyond that, not be able to get those, those last, those last like first downs, those drives, those scores where you might be able to reclaim control of the game. Like, a little bit troubling and part of the reason why I'm jumping on UCF ears to think that I might be jumping ahead of uh, an uncharacteristic Stanford year. But the other side of that is like the, the same reason. Remember in the preseason when I was even on that, uh, I can't believe that we're just going to sit here and imagine that Stanford, a team that under David Shaw has been consistently a nine, 10 win team is going to have a win total set at six and a half. I was like befuddled. I was like, how how are we going to imagine 
that that's going to happen and we're not just going to snap back to regular old Stanford stuff. And what I've seen so far suggests that we are not in regular old Stanford stuff and this might be a valley in the trajectory of the program. So I'm jumping on, on UCF. I'm locking up seven and a half. But I think the mentality for Stanford is like, oh, you're giving me Stanford uh, with a touchdown and a hook? Sure. Let's go. Uh, also... Dylan Gabriel took over the freshman from Hawaii took over as the, you know, the team's quarterback last week. He took the job from Brandon Wimbush. Now UCF has played Florida A&M and FAU so far this year against Florida A&M. Gabriel played, he was nine for 13, 127 yards, three touchdowns last week against FAU in a game. UCF won 48 to 14. He was seven of 19, 37% completion percentage with two touchdowns, no interceptions. And it's just, Overall, Gabriel's numbers, he's only completed half of his passes. He's, you know, rushed four times for 19 yards. I'm just not fully in on UCF's offense is still amazing because they've played they haven't played anybody yet and Gabriel when he has played hasn't been super impressive. So I'm not really ready to trust them to cover a touchdown against Stanford even though I think they're probably going to win the game. Well, I'll I'll make this last point, too, just to make it clear that I'm not just jumping on a reactionary Stanford loss to USC. Go back to that Pac-12 wins totals podcast where the number was, what, six and a half total? And where'd I go with it? You you went under. Yeah, we were on the opposite sides of that, for sure. Yeah, this is something that I'm I'm sort of – this has just been sort of a long play for me is the – regression or deterioration probably is the better word the deterioration of this as the stanford team as a west coast power uh not saying they can't cycle back up but i think we are currently in the midst of a deterioration uh, and they gotta they gotta eat their iron they gotta get their bones back strong again whatever they gotta do uh to to get this back righted i, I don't think it happens this year i think this is a disappointing stanford season that is compounded with a loss to central florida all right, Tom. And we and oh. I got so do we need to go seven and a half because I saw MGM had it at seven, so that's why I had it at uh, seven. It was at seven. It is currently actually <laughs> it's eight and a half right now, but no, it's seven and a half at circa. So, all right, well, we can go seven and a half. That's fine with me. Ooh, I thought we were about to get seven. I'll give a seven. Like I'm sitting here looking at MGM saying seven. Is it seven at MGM? Then take the set. I don't see MGM on my screen, so take seven if it's seven there. I got I got seven at MGM, so give me seven. Seven. Buy the hook Sh- if you want to. Shop around, kids. That's yeah. an important lesson. All right, Tom, take us where you want to go. I'm going to one of the games that was supposed to be one of the big games of the weekend, but it's not because Syracuse lost to Maryland 63-20. to But... I'm taking advantage of the overreaction to Syracuse's slow start and taking the orange plus 28 at home against Clemson. I'm getting four touchdowns with Syracuse at home, playing its first home game of the season in the dome, formerly known as carrier. Listen, Clemson is 2-0. Clemson is probably going to be in the title game once again. It's going to win the ACC with ease. But if you've seen Clemson through two weeks, it hasn't exactly been firing on all cylinders quite yet. Trevor Lawrence has made some really good passes. Trevor Lawrence has made some questionable passes. It's The offense has sputtered at times. 
it struggled quite a bit last week against a very good Texas A&M defense. I don't think it's going to struggle too much against Syracuse defense, but 28 points in the dome, the place where Clemson lost two years ago and against the same Syracuse team in Death Valley that nearly beat it last year. Syracuse clearly is able to, you know, find success against Clemson. So if you're going to give me four touchdowns, once again, 28 points with a team that was ranked last week, I'm going to take them and I'm going to feel very good about it. Barton, are you jumping in on that? I'm not jumping in on that. I mean, I, I, I don't like Syracuse very much and I agree that, but I agree that Clemson has not been clicking perfectly right now. And, um, I don't know where to go. I mean, I I could just. I mean, it doesn't it feel a little bit like we're. I mean, here we are, two games in the season, and Syracuse hasn't had a. I mean, Clemson hasn't had a good game yet. Like they haven't had it. They blew out Georgia Tech, yes, but it wasn't. No one came away wowed by the Clemson offense that game. Travis Etienne had a big big performance, but it you know. The storyline wasn't that Clemson offense. Obviously, 24 points against Texas A&M. They suffocated them. Defense was more the story. I'm not worried about Syracuse scoring a lot. I think Clemson's defense will handle business there. And doesn't it just kind of feel like the dam's going to break on the Clemson offense at some point, too? So I'm not saying it's going to happen this week. I'm just saying at some point it is going to happen. And so I I would not feel confident in this play, but... I, I, I understand the, the logic for sure. I've got real 2014 Florida State vibes about Clemson because the 2013 Florida State National Championship team, I I will argue might be one of the more like underrated national champions. Just in, I know that sort of we're in that weird place where we haven't quite been 10 years since, so we haven't had any retrospectives. But I think that they, they broke a whole bunch of old Oklahoma scoring records, margin of victory records, just dominated you know everyone. All 22 starters went on to play on NFL rosters uh, and the kicker. Shout out to uh, the elder Aguayo. But in 2014, they also went undefeated through the regular season. But remember, none of it was impressive. And then yeah, it yeah. kind of felt like everything broke when they finally played Oregon in the college football playoff. I just wonder if that's what we're going to be doing with Clemson this year. With they're going to be winning these games and just just piling up wins, but you're just going to be sitting there at the and you're like, yeah, but are they really, really good? And then they're going to be undefeated, but be the third seed in the college football playoff. Yeah, I, I think that's a. I mean, that's a good comparison. Obviously, too 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 small of a sample size to know whether that's that's the way this team is yet. But like, I think that's, I hadn't thought about that, but I think that's a great, um, that's great context and, and something to, to keep an eye on. I mean, if this is another close game here and they keep on trending in that direction and, and having unimpressive 20 point wins, <laughs> right, then, right. you know, then it's, I think that's worth monitoring. Um, all right, let's see. I guess that would bring it to chip. Chip is going to go, to Morganton, West Virginia. Put your pups up, boys. Oh! <laughs> we are going with Matt McKay, Dave Doran, and the North Carolina State Wolfpack in the stinkiest, smelliest line of the week. 
Six and a half for the noon kickoff in Morganton against a West Virginia team that I believe is not good and a West Virginia team that I think Neil Brown is going to have at least two to three years of work to be able to get them out of their current position in the Big 12. This is a... uh, this is a spot where I think NC State, because you don't have some of the the name recognition of a, a Ryan Finley, you know, a, a Kelvin Harmon, like those those players that are there that make you believe that they can get out there and take care of business. NC State should win this game, in my opinion, by ten points. They haven't played anybody, uh, or at least they have not, you know, played a Power Five team. But I think that they have done exactly what's been required of them to take care of business. And man, I just. The fact that it's just been sitting at six and a half all week and no one's going to, the odds makers aren't going to give you seven makes me think I'll be sweating this. But my, my confidence lies in the Wolfpack and in NC State being able to cover that six and a half. Chip, we're, we're, uh, we're hanging out too much together, man. We're, we're, we're talking too, too regularly. This is another lock agreement for me. <laughs> I, when I was going to play this, I, I was going to ask you guys, like, what what am I missing? This is this line. How, why is this line so low? I can't figure it out. This is a – I mean, maybe people just don't realize how bad West Virginia is or is going to be this year. And NC State, as, all you have to be is a, just a decent team, and you should be able to handle business. Maybe if this was later in the year and – it was already established that West Virginia is bad and they had time to have their competitive practices where all positions are open and uh, let's see if a freshman can win a job and here we are, we're starting to build a culture, we're getting better and oh, now teams are overlooking us and so maybe we can sneak up on someone. Then, then maybe I'd get it, but this is week three and... All that's established this week through two weeks is that West Virginia is really bad and that NC State is not. I'm not saying NC State's good, but they're not really bad. And for a team that is going to be, I mean, they're just not, I don't think they have the beef at the line of scrimmage. I don't think they have the quarterback. Uh, I, I looked at the box score of just the players that are, getting tackles and running the football and catching the football for West Virginia. And it is a, it's like a, a wasteland of nobody that I'm excited about. And I think, I think NC state has some good young players that maybe like you said, Chip don't have the, the name recognition, but are still really good players that have been developed in that program. So I, yeah, I like, I like NC state a lot here. I also have a play for this game. But it is not on NC State, on nor late, is it on West Virginia. On lay total? Yes. I, I'm taking the under 45 and a half. I agree with you guys for the most part. I mean, if I if I was picking a side of the spread, it, it'd be very hard to convince me to take West Virginia. But my concern there is that, you know, NC State, it's their first road game. And while they have looked good the first two weeks of the season, they've played East Carolina and Western Carolina. So, you know, it's not exactly the most stalwart of opponents, but I just think that they covered the whole state. They went to East and West. They got it they all. They haven't played care North of. or South yet though, Chip. <laughs> but it's just, to me, I'm more banking on West Virginia's offense 
not being very good because I I don't know what NC State's offense is going to look like on the road against West Virginia. For as bad as it's been, its defense really hasn't been awful. It's been pretty much okay. It's it's been a you know above average for the most part in most of the key metrics I track. But where West Virginia really sucks is the Mountaineers have played two games. You know how many red zone possessions they've had? How many? One. <laughs> In two games, and they haven't scored on it. They, they they didn't, you know. It's the offense is very, very not good, and I just don't see them scoring a lot of points. But I don't trust this. I don't trust NC State enough to consider that they're going to cover the spread here. So I would rather just take the under forty five and a half and bank on the fact that West Virginia might get fourteen points, which means as long as you know NC State sticks to thirty one or fewer, I'm good. So I like that better than the spread. Hey, uh, let me let me throw one more wrinkle in here. I, I can't believe I didn't mention this off the top, but uh, do you guys remember Tony Gibson? I do. Do you That's know where right. Do you know where Tony Gibson is coaching right now? Co Co DC at, at NC State. State. Mm-hmm. He's got he you know like a one of the chief recruiters for that his his book of notes on the West Virginia personnel. I think that's got to be a little bit helpful here. For everybody in that, uh, for everybody on that coaching staff, so uh, something to keep in mind as we're staring down that uh, that six and a half. All right, Tony's son is on the Illinois staff. Tony's son, yeah. Mm. Well, it's good, it's good Illinois trivia there. <laughs> there, you <go. laughs> there you go. All right, Tom, back to you. Well, speaking of Illinois. My next lock is going to be Illinois minus seven at home against Eastern Michigan. I know that Illinois burned you last week, Barton, because you took it as a three touchdown favorite on the road. But well, we had a pick six in there somewhere, right? Yeah, Brandon Peters opened the game with a pick six and killed your cover right away. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's my son, Brandon Peters. So I only have myself to blame there if, if my guy is throwing pick sixes. So. You did a bad job raising that boy. No, <laughs> no you did a very good job because he bounced back from it. He overcame go. the adversity. That's right. He dealt with it, and he moved on with his life. But no, I think I just think this is, you know, an Eastern Michigan team, first of all, I don't think it's as good as the Eastern Michigan teams we've seen in recent years. I think they lost a lot of, you know, important players. One of them, you know, is on the Raiders right now. They, they lost some dudes to the NFL. But also, more than anything, this is Eastern Michigan's third straight road game to open the season. That has to take a toll on a team to play on the road three straight weeks. And they're going against an Illinois team that, you know, we, we, as we said, they started with the pick six last week. They fell behind 13 to nothing. And they came back and they won the game. And it was, you know, probably closer than anybody would have wanted. But they were never really in danger of losing it, even after falling down 13 to nothing. This is an Illinois team that is not good, at least in the general sense. But... It could be a bowl team, which is a huge step forward from what we've seen of it the last few years, and I think is a much better team than Eastern Michigan at this point. And I think at home, we'll probably show that a bit. And I just, if you look at the defense, that's really been the key because last year, Illinois' offense was pretty good and its defense was flat awful. So far through two games this season, and again, it's against Akron and UConn, so we can't put too much stock in it. But 
The defense has been much better overall. They are in my chaos rate. They rank third. Oluwale Patiku, who is a former five-star recruit in one of the many transfers from USC to Illinois over the offseason, leads the nation in both sacks and tackles for loss. He's been a one-man wrecking crew on that defense. Yeah, Wale. Way to finally show up, man. Glad to hear it. He's learning how. I mean, you know, he was a very raw prospect. You saw him coming out of high school, but now he, now he's getting, you know, he's getting coached up and he's learning how to play some football. And he's turns out he's quite good at it. But uh, I just think that this is a game that Illinois is going to win by at least 10. They might win by, you know, even more than that. I really like them in this spot. Reggie Corbin is banged up a little bit, but all signs point to the fact that he'll be playing because he has been practicing this week. So I think this is a game that Illinois wins pretty easily. Canada. I like that pick. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not playing it, but I like that pick. Still, still on uh, on his own little island. All right, Barton, back to you. All right, um, I'm gonna go back to this this sneaky little well that I don't think enough people know about. I'm 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 going out here and I'm digging this delicious water out of this this private little well on the corner of this lot. That's called the Mississippi State Overs. <laughs> the, here, here's something like I don't think enough people know about and are talking about. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll test it on you guys. Like, did you guys are y'all even aware that Mississippi State has ten guys that are suspended for eight games? They have ten what? guys that are suspended for eight games, and the eight games are being spaced out randomly over the course of the season and they're not announcing the suspensions until like day of when they release the depth chart and so they're sort of you know they're they're maneuvering this so that they kind of don't tip their hand where their weaknesses might be week in week out they uh are, are trying to i guess maybe keep people guessing on whether or not x player will be available or not and among these 10 players that are suspended are Lee Autry, who is their best interior defense alignment, and Willie Gay, who is arguably their best linebacker, probably their second best linebacker at the very least. This is also a team, we, y- y'all know what they lost from last year's defensive line. They, they tried to get a grad transfer in from Louisville to help bulk up their depth, I don't know if it's a grad transfer, but a, but a transfer. Uh, waiver was denied. He's not eligible. Last week, I think they even had to move a, uh, their center over, James Jackson, to defense. I think he's back on offense again this week. This is Leo Lewis. I'm just telling you, the, the former four-star um, controversial linebacker that's you know, was in the middle of all that Ole Miss, Mississippi State alleged payment stuff. Yeah, he's not that good. He's the <laughs> he's Willie Gay's backup, who's not. So playing. he wasn't worth it, is what you're saying. <laughs> I don't. You know what? Who maybe maybe all that stuff got him a little, got him messed up in the head, and he's you know that 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 hurt his development. I don't know. All I know is he's not that good. So all that to say. I think Mississippi State, when people see that name, they think about last year's defense. They think about how that was maybe the best defense in the country. They think about Bob Shoup, who's been consistently one of the best DCs in the country. And they decline to realize that this is 
and I think they will at some point, but it, maybe it's too early for people to understand that this is not that defense. And on top of that, I think you got a Mississippi State offense that is a big step forward from last year. Uh, the receivers are better. The offensive line is good. The running back, Kylan Hill, is a absolute stud. Uh, Tommy Stevens at quarterback is a significantly uh, better fit, significantly higher upgrade from Nick Fitzgerald for what this offense is trying to do. I mean, Nick Fitzgerald was great for the Dan Mullen system. He was he did not work in Joe Moorhead's RPO stuff. And Tommy Stevens has been accurate and efficient and and, and effective running that stuff. Now, here, if there's any concern in this overhitting and the numbers 52 that I have, I, have to, I haven't checked it today, but I think it's, that's the number. Um, yes. The the only concern is that Tommy Stevens has been banged up. Um, not sure 100% if he's going to play. If he doesn't, they're, they're probably playing a, a freshman, Garrett Schrader, who's I, I don't have as much confidence in, but I still think just fr- across the board, this offense is – is still equipped to move the ball. And meanwhile, I think Kansas State's probably pretty good. Like early in the season, they've not played much, but they've looked good doing it at the very least. And so I think that there is this is two straight weeks here. I'm going to play a Mississippi State over and we'll see if uh, we'll see if the number keeps on giving me value. But I, I think this is a game where both teams are able to move the football. Here early in the show, I'm also going to go back to a sort of a system play and get it out because it's a it's a Friday play. Uh, Wake Forest overs. We're still going to be going to it, especially with North Carolina coming to town. I will take North Carolina Wake Forest over 66 and a half. Uh, I think that Sam Howell, Jamie Newman are just going to both be slinging this thing around the yard. It's going to be uh, it's it's just it's just not the kind of game where I imagine that either defense is going to have a whole lot i I mentioned that uh, i have i have mentioned that this is a a wakey leaks revenge game for dave clausen going up against jay bateman from army as the army was alleged to have taken information as well as uh lonnie galloway the wide receiver former wide receivers coach at louisville who's alleged to have taken information from the uh now fired and disgruntled wake forest uh radio man and so uh i think I think Dave Clawson's got some wrinkles for North Carolina's defense, which is playing a little bit over its head. Uh, Patrice Rene, starting cornerback, is out for the season. And so North Carolina a little bit banged up in the secondary. That's only going to make things easier for uh, Scotty Washington and Sage Surratt. So I, I, I see a whole lot of points. I see a basketball game breaking out on Tobacco Road. Give me North Carolina Wake Forest over 66 and a half. Fight. Fight? Whoa. Fight. 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 Money under. Let's go. Made in your Wake Forest overs. You know what's gonna you know what you know what the, you know what the forecast is for Friday night? Oh, weatherman, weatherman. <laughs> We've got ten to eleven mile an hour cross crosswinds at BB and T field. Just and also it's I just think that, you know, North Carolina, Wake Forest last week, they they squeaked out that over against Rice, and they had a couple of big plays. But I thought for a lot of that game, 
that offense was kind of struggling a bit against the Rice defense, and I'm not so sure that, I mean, they're coming back home, which obviously is a big boost, but I feel like North Carolina's defense is probably going to have a little more for them than the Rice defense did, and I just, I think North Carolina, Mac's going to try to maybe slow things down a little bit, be a little conservative. You know how Mac gets, and I just I think that we're, he's going to do his best to keep that Wake offense off the field, and while I don't think North Carolina is going to be able to stop Wake, I think it'll be able to slow it down enough, combined with the crosswinds. To keep this total below sixty six and a half, I, I need to get a, a good when as as the weather continues to shift later in the season, I'll get a, a good uh, weatherman sounder for you, Tom. That's and look, that is the contrarian play here because Mac Brown is has got his uh, his freshman quarterback feeling himself, but he's also now taking him on the road on a short week, a weird six p.m. Eastern time kickoff. I mm. mean, dude, you do not want to catch me on I forty. Anytime around rush hour on Friday between Chapel Hill and Winston-Salem. That sounds like a nightmare. No, I will be enjoying that game from the Palatial Patterson Studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, and not sitting in that traffic. That is a that is the contrarian play, Tom, and that fits to your style. I am I am believing in, in what I'm seeing and that I think we get a basketball game that breaks out. Uh, all right, so we've got – everyone's got three on the board. Tom's got four. Spartan, back to you. Okay, um, what's the size of the Cyhawk Trophy? That's that's what that game is, right? That's right. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big Iowa connoisseur, uh, big aficionado of of state of Iowa football, and I gotta have a play on this one. And look, I I like the home underdog here. What's the latest number? Is it two and a half? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, give me. Give me the the Cyclones at plus two and a half. Oh, I found it at three. Oh, heck yeah, man. Shop around. Give it to me at plus three. Pay the extra juice and take it at three anyways if you want to. But um, here's the deal. I think that there's a lot of overreaction to Iowa State's week one game against Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa is a pretty good FCS team. I'm not saying that excuses them going into three overtimes with them or whatever it was, but it's it's not as if they just lost to I don't know Florida A&M, who's has a has a tendency to get beat by seventy in these sort of games. They they play that quarterback Will McIlvain was sort of did a poor man's Johnny Manziel where he was just you know Iowa State tried to play conservative, get out of there. Vanilla and and that guy just sort of ran around and scrambled and made plays. Same thing on the other side of the ball. Northern Iowa just yeah, both te- Iowa State played very conservative offensively. Didn't show a lot. Uh, it was sort of a fluky game. They they outgained them by two hundred plus yards. And I think given that they had an opportunity to sort of be, play very close to the vest that game and, and still get out alive, given that they have two weeks to prepare. I think that's a, a a real benefit, and given that this is at home, with game day coming, and I mean this is still a team that has high expectations for this year, a crowd that's going to be really excited, uh, uh, an atmosphere in Ames that's typically I think a kind of an underrated atmosphere. Anyways, I think Iowa's a really good team, 
and I think that they're certainly capable of winning this game. But if you're going to give me points at home with, I think, the more dynamic quarterback with a team that is going to have a, a really good game plan and, and, and very motivated, not that Iowa won't be, but I, I just think that this is uh, an opportunity to get a little value when the market's down on an Iowa State team that probably is still the same team we thought they were before the season, despite the one A FCS slip up in week one. So give me Iowa State plus the points. No play. I took Iowa State in the column, but I'm not I'm not locking it up. I agree with everything you said though for the most part. And I will also mention that while Iowa State had last week off and an extra week to prepare for Iowa, the Hawkeyes have spent all week complaining about the Rutgers punter not winning the special teams player of the week in the Big Ten. So one team's focused. <laughs> also, I will point this out. You ready for this? Be good news. Be good news. Be good news. 17 mile an hour crosswind. Too warm to be considered a wonder. But 17 mile an hour crosswinds, we are not going to be seeing much downfield passing in this game. I, I, I will always point out with this game that this game exists in a vacuum and no nothing from this game should be taken away to represent either Iowa or Iowa State as we make our judgments and analyses of these teams later in the season. And what is a vacuum, Chip? A vacuum, a vacuum is uh, no air. Cyclone. A cyclone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Walked into that one. All yeah, right. if you want to play the under, it's probably going to get above like 24 anyways. Yeah, so. it's, it's really low. So if you're playing the under here, you're going to be sweating from kickoff until the end of the game. <laughs> But that's what is it? Is the under what is it like 41 or something? 44, 44 and a half. Yeah, that, that may be that may be entirely too high. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? I want the sweats. I'm going to lock up under 44 and a half. Oh, there oh. you go. I, I hear about those wins and I'm going to be watching it. I'm going to be watching every bit of this and I'm not going to be watching with my notepad open because like I said, but I want to be a part of it. It is one of my favorite games to watch every single season because it's Iowa football. I mean, it it's beautiful like that. All right, coming up on the other side, more of our locks for week three. Next. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. All right, everybody's got four logs on the fire. Um, Tom, back to you. Uh, I'm going with a little bit of a principal play here. I am taking Arizona State plus 14 and a half at Michigan State. 
I am not trusting Michigan State to cover over two touchdowns. You? Against anybody. You? Me. Not trusting That's Michigan right. State? That's right. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> this is, I mean, Michigan State lost to Arizona State last season in Arizona State. Obviously, the game's in East Lansing this year, so that changes things. And I don't think Arizona State is as good offensively this year as it was last year, though. Arizona State's offense really hasn't been that bad through two games. Now, they haven't played anybody. Who They've played Kent State, and I think last week Sac was State. Sac State. Yeah, but in that span, they've averaged over 6.25 yards per play. It's just they're not, you know, they're not going in a hurry. They're just kind of doing whatever they've had to do to get the win. They scored 30 points against Kent State and only 19 last week against Sac State. So, my my intuition here is not that Sacramento State was stopping Arizona State as much as Arizona State was like, okay, we've got this game handled. Let's focus. You know, let's just get out of here. Nobody get banged up. Move on to Michigan State. It's a big game. And in both games, Arizona State's defense has been very good. So while Michigan State's offense, I think you could make the argument that last week it looked better than any point it did in 2018, and it looked better than it did at most points during 2017. That was the most impressed I've been by Michigan State offense in a while. But I'm not putting too much stock in it. I think that Arizona State is by far the best team the Spartans will have run into so far this season, and I think that this is going to be a low-scoring rock fight. I mean, the total is, let's see, the total's 42.5. It's as low as 41.5 in some spots. So if the total is that low and I'm getting over two touchdowns, you know, the two touchdowns and the hook, come on, man. Sun Devils, plus 14.5. All right, so I looked long and hard at this game because I, I had the same inclination, and I don't dislike the pick. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you why I held off. The, the, what scared me away from this game a little bit is a the fact that when you look at why Arizona State has had trouble scoring, it's really it's it's really geared towards or scoring as much as they should. It's really geared towards the offensive line. The offensive line has been uh, just a little bit subpar through the first couple weeks, and that worries me against a Michigan State defensive line that I don't know. I mean, their their front seven is one of the best in the country, and they. They held Tulsa to negative 77 yards rushing uh, and still failed to cover, fortunately. Uh, <laughs> the, the other factor at play here, and it's hard to, this is hard to predict, but this is a true freshman quarterback in Jaden Daniels that's going to be playing his first road game of his career in, in uh, East Lansing. And I do think that he is, I mean, he was our second-ranked quarterback in the country. Uh, at 24-7 sports. Not, doesn't get it all as much hype as some of the other guys because he's at Arizona State and he's not at Auburn or Alabama or Georgia. But he was a second-rate quarterback in the country. Really, really talented. And he, I think he's got a little bit of doesn't get phased in that DNA. Just a little, little ice in his blood. That said, you don't ever really know. I mean, until he gets on the road in an environment like this. So, that scared me enough to where it's just I, I can't I can't play it. But my my, my lean initially, at least my my uh, my gut reaction was also Arizona State. Yeah, you mentioned Michigan State's performance against the Tulsa offense. I would like to point out that through two games, the Michigan State defense has allowed negative six rushing yards. <laughs> yeah, total. Yeah, <laughs> my lean would be under in this game. 
But uh, and I, I am out here. I am out here in these streets taking Michigan State. But I'm not locking up that, nor am I locking up the total. But uh, should be a fun game. All right, Barton, where are you going? Okay, um, I'm gonna go to another. So, so sort of like I, I faded Stanford earlier in, in my locks here as a preseason team that I didn't like. I'm playing Iowa State as a preseason team that I like. I'm going to go with another – because ultimately, where are we here? We're in week three. Most of these teams haven't played anybody but a garbage FBS team or an FCS team. And so what have we really learned? In most cases, not much. There's another example of a team we haven't learned a lot out of, but I'm sticking to my preseason guns. I'm going TCU on the road laying two, I think, unless you all see a different number there. Two and a half maybe? But yeah, I see it. At, let me let me shop around for you. These real are quick. these are the last night's numbers I'm I'm quoting typically. Uh, uh, looks like it's two and a half. Most two and a half, yeah. All right, so two and a half. Um, I I just think first of all, Elijah Sindelar's injuries is out for Purdue. I don't necessarily think that that's that big of a deal. This this could actually turn out being a situation where Jack Plummer, the backup, steps in and pulls a Keaton Slovis and is better than the starter. Uh, so that isn't the crux of, of my decision-making here. What I'm ultimately banking on is just TCU being a better team than Purdue. And that's based on my preseason expectations of Shewo Lanalua and Darius Anderson at running back. Jalen Rager at wide receiver, a quarterback in Alex Delton who's not going to turn the ball over. And if you're not getting enough juice out of him, then you go to the true freshman in Max Dugan, who is, I think, probably going to be the TCU starting quarterback by midseason. He is more dynamic, more explosive, and they're more dangerous on offense with him. Secondly, when you're comparing TCUs to Purdue, and, and, and Purdue is so equipped to... Um, you know, come up with explosive plays, uh, find creative ways to get the ball in the hands of Rondell Moore. uh, And, and they're, they're such a tricky offense to defend. But I think that this TCU team with all their hybrid linebackers, the bevy of DBs with the uh, Gary Patterson sort of brain trust scheming up a way to stop this Purdue offense I, I think TCU is just a better team that's going to go and win. I'm a little worried. Like, this is a night game. This is, I mean, t- Purdue has has shown that they can create a pretty good atmosphere from time to time. So, uh, you know, this is, this is this, there could be some hairy moments, but I just think I'm going to bet on the, the, the team that I expect is better, and I think they're probably better by a decent margin. So I'm going to go TCU. Love you sticking to your guns. I'm looking forward to this game because I will admit I have not watched any of TCU yet this year. Well, they've only played one game. And this is another team. They, I mean, they have two. They have two uh, two weeks to repair. They had a bye week last week. First week they played like Prairie View A and M or something. Uh, so yeah, like again, we don't know. We we basically know nothing more right now than we knew about TCU before the season. And Purdue has been in a couple of battles. Uh, granted that. They, they pulled away from Vanderbilt last week, but that was – we didn't get to, what, mid to late second half before that really started distancing 
itself from from Bandy. And I, I just think TCU comes in here with a good game plan to go win it. Whatever happens, I hope Purdue learns a lesson. And not schedules scheduling. like this. <laughs> yes. Because to be, this is Purdue's final non-conference game of the season, and it's three non-conference games, including a road trip to a G5 team and two home games against Power 5 programs. That is not conducive to going, you know, to getting to a bowl game. Or, you know, I mean, if this was college basketball, great. You're battle-tested for the tournament. But Congrats there's, on your There's RPI. not that many games in college football, guys. <laughs> Yeah, Matt Painter put together the football schedule. <laughs> trying Tom to make Izzo's sure. putting together this non-conference schedule. Like, let's play Duke, North Carolina. Let's play everybody. Yeah, exactly. That's a it's funny stuff. All right, I'm going to take us to Boulder, Colorado, where I will be uh, hopping on the jet and riding with the Air Force. Uh, Air Force. This is uh, this is some trends. Shout out to uh, Tom. I feel like you've. Thank you. You've, you've always got the, the trends on lock. Air Force, 10-3-1 against the spread as a road underdog in the last four years and 17-5-1 against the spread in all of its non-conference games uh, in the last four years. I will be locking up Air Force plus four. This thing opened at one and a half for Colorado and then uh, was bet up over a field goal all the way to the key number of four. And so I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm going back, and I'm reviewing the way the game flow went against Nebraska, and I'm just wondering if some of the, you know, some of the slow start and then the, the furious late comeback, if, if maybe it, it suggests that Colorado's in a little bit of a, a better place, maybe, or if it's, I guess the right word would be uh, overvalued. Ooh, four and a hook. I'll take that all yeah. day. So, um, so yeah, give me, give me Air Force to be able to potentially get this win, but definitely keep this thing close. Plus, third straight rivalry game. I mean, Colorado State, Nebraska, <laughs> Air Force. That That's is three rivalry games yeah. in a row. So fade the buffs. Love you, Mel Tucker, but fading the buffs. Uh, Tom. All right. Uh. I'm getting back to my roots this week. Yeah, there's been there's been a lot of favorites. There's been some overs in our first two weeks of the locks yeah. pod. You know, you're, you're getting you've been way too sexy. You've been showing yeah. way too much leg. It's <laughs> time to time to get get back to your conservative values. You're damn right. And I've given two unders so far, and I'm throwing a third. And this is this is this is Tom all the way. Georgia Southern at Minnesota under 47. <sighs> I mean, Georgia Southern so far on the season is the slowest team in the country. They're averaging 32.5 seconds per play the run taken off the clock. (laughs) They're only they've run 55 plays per game. Uh, And Minnesota is another team that it kind of had to speed things up a bit last week against Fresno on the road because it was trailing and it had to, you know, get into the game, force the overtime and win it. But overall, Minnesota itself prefers to move at a slower pace. As far as slow goes, it's the 20th slowest offense in the country after two games. And I just look at this game between two teams who like to run the ball quite a bit. And I don't see a whole lot of possessions between them. So if I'm seeing 47, that does some quick math. That's, you know, I need seven touchdowns to get the over. I don't think I'm going to see seven touchdowns in this game. I think I'm going to see about four touchdowns and a couple field goals. So 
Give me the under, and I don't even think I'm going to have to sweat all that much. I love the I feel play. Like, I feel like Georgia Southern, Minnesota kind of deserves to lose this game to Georgia Southern. They've messed around with what North was it North Dakota State or so was South Dakota State? South maybe? Dakota State, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then they messed around with with Fresno State. Now they got another sort of typically good group of five coming in and Georgia Southern. Uh, that's you know even just what sixteen and a half. It seems like a lot of points for a Minnesota team that's uh, playing playing down to their competition. So, but yeah, hey, under sounds good too. Uh, all right, Barton. All right, this is potentially my last one. I'm going to try to stay disciplined. I feel like the the extra logs I've been throwing on the fire have have not gone so well the last couple of weeks. So we'll see if I get get sucked into another one. But I do think I'm going to go ahead and play the Who's. Virginia uh, laying a touchdown in Charlottesville at night against Florida State. Early in the week, Chip, and I don't know, this may be a lock agreement because uh, I feel like you were on Virginia early in the week. I was on Florida State early in the week. The more I thought about this, the more I'm so far this season, trusting my eyes has worked out well. I mean, trying to pro- project and predict development and change and trying to pinpoint a team as something other than what they've shown themselves to be has not worked out. And so I'm, I'm just, I think Florida state is what they are. Like we can keep on guessing and saying all this talent's going to start playing well, but ultimately they are what they are. They're undisciplined, heavily penalized, uh, high variance kind of team. Whereas Virginia is the exact opposite. And maybe if this game and and I do I, I I allow for the possibility that in some ways getting away from home is maybe even a good thing. Sure. Just the the malaise of like that empty stadium and the disappointments that fills it kind of permeates the air in Tallahassee. Maybe maybe it's nice to just get away from that. But like like get, getting into side, getting into a loud Scott Stadium where every it's packed and it's the biggest game in Virginia football of the last five years. Like getting to play enemy might even focus them more. That kind of right. idea, right? So that worries me a little bit. But again, I'm not. I'm going to stop trying to play psychologist, and I'm just going to say, man, look, they just they just lost a nearly lost a ULM. They got a Virginia team that is kind of their antithesis in terms of being disciplined, physical, tough, and mistake-free. I say mistake-free. I haven't looked at like how penalized Virginia is, but that's, that's how I envision them. And I just think Virginia goes in there and, um, you know, lives up to the atmosphere and shows for Florida State they're a lot better team. I'm not going to be locking this up. I think that you're on the right side and I will play psychologist. And I will say that uh, Virginia doesn't have quit in him. You know, like Virginia has been building Bronco tore everything down. He came out his first year and he was like, there's only about 25 players on this team that are ACC quality. Like he, he just like 
tore everything down, and he has been building it back up. That is a program that has a solid foundation. And I know, Barton, you love culture. Like, culture is the the keystone of where sort of Virginia's success is coming, where everything is all about execution. It's not coming down to talent. And if things get tough, I count on Virginia not to quit. I count on Florida State to quit. All of that is uh, 100% true. I would also wonder if all those expectations lead to some tight butts. Seven's kind of a lot. I'm not going to be locking it up, but I do think Virginia ends up winning this game uh, no matter what. I'm not locking it up, nor am I playing psychologist, but I am wearing a Virginia t-shirt, so whatever that means. Go who's. Where'd you dig up a Virginia t-shirt? Barton, I have so many college t-shirts. First of all, I mean, Virginia was my, you know, my beloved who's last year, so I had to buy a Virginia shirt. And then Coincidence or not, a couple months after I bought the shirt, Virginia won a basketball national title, so I don't know who deserves the credit. Wait, 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 wait. So you just sort of liked Virginia last year and like you went to like a footlocker and said No, no, like, no, no. I I have loved Bronco Mendenhall for a while. And once he took over Virginia, I kind of adopted them as a one of my favorite teams. And I mean, I just order them on Fanatics. You can find so many t-shirts on Fanatics for like 12 bucks. <laughs> so um, you know, it's been a long time since I've actually like bought a t-shirt. And I, I I really respect that you're just out there just, you know, you know, basing your merchandise purchases on just kind of teams you like. Yeah. Uh, base, you know, coaches you like. That's strong. Hey, Got to reward teams. <laughs> I mean, uh, claim, claim your alliance to a team. And, and ride with them, Barton, and Tom might send you a T-shirt. I've got a Syracuse yeah. T-shirt from Tom in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. Um, all right, I'm going to take us to Tulsa, Oklahoma. A little bit. Oh, interesting. Okay, bring it. Let's hear it. A little bit worried about um, you know maybe if you know if Tulsa's offense is going to be able to get us to where we need to be, but with uh, with the temperature. Looking like we're going to have a hot day. I'm going to be taking the Oklahoma State Tulsa over. Like it. You know what else I like? What? Is that this line in some places has gone below 14. And I'm not locking it up. But yeah, at 13 and a half, I'm a big fan of Oklahoma State. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I am too. I think Oklahoma State, what's our number that we're locking this in at? You can get it as low as sixty-four. Wow! Yeah, i I think that uh, I think the Cowboys put up fifty. That wouldn't shock me. So, give me that Oklahoma State Tulsa hot over sixty-four. Um, yeah, and you know, while this game is on the road, uh, perhaps Oklahoma State will be a little more motivated. To, to show out well as their beloved benefactor, T. Boom Pickens, mm. just passed away at 91. Good life. Celebrate that 91 years of money making and money distributing with a, a blowout win over Tulsa. I, I'm actually have, like, I was very tempted to take Oklahoma um, State minus 14, but it just feels like I've got, like, I don't know. I, I, it's a lot of it's a lot of favorites that I'm on this week, and they're on the road, and I got scared off a little bit, but it would not surprise me at all if if Oklahoma State wins this one by like thirty. Yeah, 
Give me, give me like a 50 to 17. We'll be cashing it and feeling good about ourselves. All right, Tom, back to you. Oh, I mentioned with my last pick that I'm getting back to my roots. And I've got three unders, but I've only got two underdogs. So it's about time to throw a third one on the fire. Give me Pitt plus 17 and a half (laughs) at Penn State. I love it now with the hook. I liked it at 17, and then the hook came, and now I've fallen in love with it. Here, first of all, Pitt. All right, five and one against the spread the last six times it's you know covered the week before which is what Pitt did last week four and one against the spread following a win they won last week six and two against the spread against teams with a winning record eight and three against the spread in their last 11 in this series against Penn State the underdog is five one and one against the spread the last seven meetings and the road team is three one and one against the spread and more than anything I just think 17 and a half points is too much I know Penn State blew them out last year that game was in Happy Valley that was a different Penn State team while I still think this Penn State team is good I also think this is a different better pit team a smarter pit team a, t- a pit team that's a little bit tougher defensively than from what we saw last year and I think 17 and a half is too much in this rivalry I don't think the Panthers are winning but I don't think they're going to get embarrassed either. Let's go with a late lock agreement. There we go. I, uh, I, my, my play on CBS sports HQ this week was to go over here. I just think there's too much speed. Like Maurice, I just saw Maurice French, KJ Hamler, and this game having the potential to get a little bit loose, but even within the context of a potential over uh, is the idea that Pitt can score. And if I think Pitt can score, then I think that Pitt should be able to cover 17 and a half. So let's go. I like, I like all the mentality there. I, when you hit me with the trends, you pushed me over the top. I grabbed the log. I threw it on the fire. That's the boy. You know, um, oh. I, no, no, uh, I, I, <laughs> I like this too. I think this is the right side. I, I think when you look at what happened, like even in that Buffalo game, for for Penn State, that was a that was a really close game. I don't know about really close, but I mean that was pretty competitive. And and Penn State was not doing much blowing out of anybody for a good chunk of that game. And really, it just sort of piled on late uh, with the uh, probably the depth just sort of starting to get to Buffalo. Uh, I, I think Penn State, you know, defensively they should be really good, but um, yeah, I, I think. I'm not going to take it because I do think that that James Franklin, if he can step on your throat, he's going to do it. But this feels like the right play is Pitt uh, catching the points. Well, Barton, we respect our opponents. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Barton, you're up next. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting tight with six. I've got one more. My last one is I am taking Scott Satterfield. Puma Pass and the Louisville Cardinals to cover 10 points against directional against Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky coming off a win. And so uh, I, th- I think that I'm – I mean, I, this is a, a Louisville team that I think is competent, and I think a competent Louisville team against Western Kentucky is, should win this game by 14 points. So you got to get the wins where you, you, can, you can grab them. If you're uh, Scott Satterfield in the cards – Give that home crowd something to feel good about. I think this is a game where he's got him feeling good. 14 to 20 point win. Let's go cards. Hey, Tom, did you watch? So you did watch Western Kentucky FIU, right? Yeah. So talk to me about Western Kentucky because I saw this this line also 
and I was drawn to my Louisville Cardinals. I need to start. I need to buy my Louisville shirt. Um, I one. <laughs> uh, and I just need, but I don't. I don't know enough about Western Kentucky. Uh, and, you know. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't super impressed by it against FIU. My my main takeaway from that game was that the Panthers aren't very good, or at least they're not playing well to this point in the season. And I just thought that Western Kentucky, while was better than FIU last week, it's not a team that I'm sitting there thinking is going to go into Conference USA this year and make a whole lot of noise. I still think it's probably going to struggle to get to a bowl game. So I I don't disagree with the idea of going with Louisville here. It's just I'm not 100% ready to trust Louisville because it got off to a very hot start against Notre Dame last, you know, in its opener on that, was that Labor Day or Sunday? That was the Labor Day game. Mm-hmm. But I felt like once Louisville got off script, that its offense struggled quite a bit in that game. So I'm just still kind of gun shy on trusting the Cardinals as 10 point favorites to this point. Although, I mean, I do think it's very clear that they're a lot better than they were under Bobby Petrino last year because they have a coaching staff who actually gives a crap. Yeah. I think Louisville's going to be a, a legit team in the ACC this year, like a team that can compete with everyone that's not. Clemson and I don't know if we've established is there is there a is there anyone not in the Clemson tier but is there a second tier or is everyone in the ACC just two tiers below Clemson Virginia maybe North Carolina maybe NC State uh I mean it's not good that all of your basketball programs are occupying the non-Clemson tier yeah I think, I'm still not giving up on Miami yeah Miami's Ooh. Miami's not bad Miami's not bad. Like Virginia Tech's in more trouble than Miami right now, and Florida State's in more trouble than all of them. Like that's like that's the trio of pain. If you're if you're heavily invested in ACC being very good in football this year, your trio of pain is Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Miami. And of those three, I think Miami has the better chance to be a good team this year. See, my theory is that all those teams you talked about, with the exception of Virginia, basically every name you said in there. Before the season, we would have never considered Louisville to be in the same ilk as those teams. I think, and I know it's just a one-game sample, basically, to this point, but I think that Louisville probably can play with all those teams this year. And so because of that, I think you're probably catching this right, Chip, um, kind of ahead of it. Is this game at home, or is this game at Western Kentucky? I believe it's at home. Um. Either so. way, yeah, it is. Might it's be not, in, yeah, it's, no, also, it's actually a neutral site game. Oh uh, yeah, what is the neutral site for these two? Let's find out. La la la. <laughs> it is. Come on, load you stupid screen. I mean, it's on stadium. It's going to be uh, hard. Is to that get my Nissan eyes on. Stadium? Oh, it's in my backyard. Yeah. All so right. So two Kentucky teams are playing in Nashville. Because <laughs> why not? So I'm with you there, Chip. Um, I think you're going to be. This is going to be a blowout that, and we and we start to it, it kind of perks everyone's interest in Louisville a little bit. And uh, this is some early value. I, I'm going to go ahead and throw another log on the fire too. That's my boy. And it's not one of the ones I had down here written down as a, as an option. It's 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 the one we just talked about. I just the team the T Boone Pickens Bowl is going to be a blowout. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and 
what lay under 14, 13 and a half points. Give me that. Give me that hook to to give me a win. I just I think this Oklahoma State team is really, really good, and I think they'll be focused for this game, particularly with it being an in-state sort of mini rival. So give me. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna hey another throw another favorite on there. Oklahoma State. Let's go. All right. Is that all the logs? Fires burning? Nope. Oh, okay. Let's go. I got one more. And this is the most on-brand, back-to-my-roots pick possible. There's a couple principles at play here. One is 50-point dog. Two is love. <laughs> Taking Northwestern State plus 51.5 at nice. LSU. I like that. LSU coming off a huge win. They're, they're national title contenders now because they beat Texas. But 50 point dogs, first of all, you always you get 50 points. It's it's hard to pass them up and results dictate you should take it. But more important than anything is, do we know where Ed Orgeron went to school? It was a Northwestern State. Yeah. Do you think that Ed's going to be running it up on the alma mater this weekend? I would also add to that. They've got a whole lot of like sprained ankles and like minor mm-hmm. injuries from uh, from that game. So I would not expect uh, I would not expect the the top line player like uh, your Rashard Lawrence's, your uh, Calevon Chasens. Like I, I I would not expect that they are going to be uh, playing a whole bunch in this game. Yeah, it's it's the alma mater. They got a road game in the conference against Vanderbilt up next week. LSU is going to just you know it's going to do what it takes. If any game where we're going to see LSU run its old offense, it's going to be this Saturday against Northwestern State where they're just, you know, let's get our 31 points, win 31 to three and go home. Don't hate it. A lot of Clyde Edwards to layer. Who's got Don't some hate it at all. Who's got some wiggle. See, you know, I, I toyed also, this is not one of my locks, but in, in the aftermath of that LSU Texas game, I also nearly locked up rice plus 32 and a half but not quite going to pull the trigger on it. Uh, the other one I toyed with was Kentucky plus eight and couldn't, couldn't get, get up the courage for that one either. Same. I've, I've got had Kentucky plus eight. Uh, I just, I think I had more fun all this week taking Kentucky plus eight as just reasons to vocalize a lot of Felipe Frank's hate. It was just kind of a, <laughs> it was a fun role to play in the, uh, the take dungeon on CBS sports HQ throughout the week. But the locks are for the people, and I got to tell you, my heart's not really behind that pick. It's it's, yeah. it's possible Florida wins that game by like fourteen. Yeah, that could go. Kentucky could win it, or or Florida could blow that one out. That's uh that one's a that one's a tough one for me to peg. I have a little PTSD from thinking that they would cover against Georgia at home last year, and that uh, that didn't go so well. Didn't go so well. All right, so Tom's card looks a little bit like this. He's taking the cues. The Cuse is in the house. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Syracuse plus 28 against Clemson in the artist formerly known as Carrier Dome. NC State, West Virginia, under 45 and a half. Illinois, minus seven. North Carolina, Wake Forest, under 66 and a half. Arizona State, plus 14 and a half against Michigan State. Georgia Southern, Minnesota, under 47. And Pittsburgh, plus 17 and a half against Penn State. Barton's card looks like this. UCF minus seven against Stanford, NC State minus six and a half, the Mississippi State, Kansas State over 52, and pay attention to these Mississippi State overs, he says. 
Iowa State plus three, TCU minus two and a half, Virginia minus seven, Oklahoma State minus 13 and a half. Chips card, UCF minus seven, NC State minus six and a half, the under 44 and a half in Iowa State, Iowa, the over 66 and a half in North Carolina, Wake Forest, Air Force plus four and a half against Colorado, the over 64 in Oklahoma State, Tulsa, Pitt plus 17 and a half against Penn State, and Louisville minus 10 against Western Kentucky. <sighs> Love it. All right, gents. Uh, that is Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back on Saturday night. Tom, thank you so much for waiting up as we made our way back from the stadium. <laughs> I imagine that we will we will get a little bit of an earlier start time uh, this week as we uh, as as we record our instant reaction. But it'll still be recorded on Saturday night for uh, for any of you night owls and certainly for anyone any early risers on Sunday morning. It'll be right there for you. Please subscribe to the Cover Three podcast. It makes your life so easy because all of the new episodes they just get delivered right to your podcast device. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We check those. We appreciate those, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mm-hmm.